Awesome Learning Podcast, produced by A Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburrow and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. So today we're going to talk about disability and prayer and unanswered prayer. So today we're re-releasing a podcast that we recorded uh, a couple of years ago with Shelby um, about disability. So we hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone, welcome to the House of Learning podcast. I am Richard and I've got a couple of guests with me. Hi, I'm Shelby Shutt. And, and I'm Ryan Dillon. And so Ryan's with uh, with me. We're part of the college team. So this is like the Westside House of Learning and AJC College podcast kind of thing. But Shelby, you are the outsider. Mm, the outsider, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I get to work with youth here um, and specifically with youth development. And it's a ton of fun. Yeah. yeah. And today we are going to talk about a really interesting theological topic, but we're talking about it partly because we've got a class coming up on it. So this is like a good opportunity to give everyone a heads up. Mm-hmm. And Ryan, you're going to lead the class. So do you want to give us the 101 on like, what is it? What's it about? Yeah. When is it? Yeah. So um, in March, we're doing uh, a, a class on uh, biblical justice and disability. And uh, this kind of started last semester. We we started just developing uh, the beginning of this theme of uh, biblical justice. And uh, we started by talking on broader themes, just what is biblical justice and then politics and economics and how does that uh, weigh in. And now this semester we're diving deeper and one of those topics is on disability. And uh, the goal of the, the two-week class is really just to try and think through a framework of a theology of disability um, and injustice and how we can, as the church, um, show God's justice a little bit more to persons mm-hmm. with disability, mm-hmm. um, think through sociocultural uh, aspects of that and, um, and, and maybe where the church has not done a great job, uh, yeah. partly I think out of ignorance of, yeah. of the issue, really, yeah. um, and just how we can better do that and, and what the Bible has to say about persons with disability more than just trying to heal them yeah mm, yeah that's good yeah that's so huge i like the way you unpacked it as well about like we can be agents for justice like in our city in this area for like yeah. seeing god's kingdom come and people being valued and included and finding their place in god's story and like all of that stuff but the f- part of the flip side of that is like the church should be the place that um not just proclaims but displays health Mm-hmm. And actually, the church has got a whole bunch of room for growth yes. as well. And so, yeah, it's that twofold thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of sounds on the face of it like a theology of disability, like what's that have to do with me? It sounds like a fringe issue. Mm-hmm. But when we talked about doing this series on justice, this was like pretty quickly one of like a key issue alongside like gender and race and a, a whole bunch of other things mm-hmm. that we yeah. wanted to include. And so, yeah, we'll have to explain to people why this is not just a 
I don't know, like a minority issue for a mm-hmm. few people to care about as like a little, yeah, you go off and talk about that over there. But why yeah. this is like something everyone should know about and think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think uh, part of that is that um, persons with disabilities are a marginalized people group. Yep, um, and that's part of the injustice. Exactly. Like their voice is not heard. And and yet they're, the ostrac- ostracization uh, the marginalization, uh, it's it, an easier word. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it, it comes from, uh, an unseen oftentimes, uh, kind of, uh, physical, what often might be seen as problem. I struggle using that word, but it, 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 they're marginalized over something because people don't see it. And so people don't talk about it. And so even though it's such a mm-hmm. huge part of that person's life and their story, mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't get discussed and we don't uh, work through that yeah. and, and help yeah. them in yeah. those areas because it's not seen on the surface yeah. like mm-hmm. gender or yeah. race. Or on the flip side of that, is that, if it is seen on the surface, we're so made uncomfortable by it mm-hmm. that we quickly fall into the position of pity instead of seeing that person as a whole person. Yeah. 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 And that's not just a church thing, that's a cultural thing. Oh, like yeah. it's kind of taboo, mm-hmm. but actually... I feel like people might be a bit more squeamish within the church. Mm-hmm. Like if you were a school teacher, like some middle school kids would probably come up and feel comfortable asking a question mm-hmm. more so than someone at church might do. Even. Sure. So yeah, this is an interesting one for us, like within the church mm-hmm. to figure out like why it is weird for us. Yeah. 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 Uh, so should we say a bit about like why we, what's our background? Why do we care about this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go first. Cool. So I do not have a disability other than being male and a bit dumb <laughs> from time to time. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, but actually, both my parents are blind. So I grew up in a house with lots oh, of disability wow. as a part of it. And just a really interesting, like my dad is 100% blind. Like, you know, no, there's nothing going on at all. Whereas my mum's like really, really severely partially sighted and counts as blind. Hmm. Could always tell when I came home from school with grass stains on my knees, but... You know, other than that, I was pretty much blind. Wow. Um, so, yeah, that's really interesting for me. Just, mm-hmm. you know, learning what it looked like to live with a disability long term, to have it as something that doesn't devalue you. Mm-hmm. And, and is, I don't know, it creates limits, mm-hmm. but um, not allowing unhealthy voices to, to create the limitations. Mm-hmm but actually like pushing back on that and exploring that. Uh, my dad was amazing at that. Like he would just, I mean, he did like open water windsurfing, karate, wow. pottery, wow. like just all these. It was like he deliberately looked at the world and was like, what do people say blind people can't do? I'm <laughs> going to try it. I'm going to learn to yeah. do it. That's amazing. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, just an interest like growing up with that and then like seeing other people with, like wrestling with handicap or trying to navigate relating to someone with, mm-hmm. with a disability and the boxes people put people in. Sure. And just knowing that some of those mm-hmm. boxes are just not real, that like that's not a thing. Yeah. So yeah, so that's a little that's why I've got this like little extra bug about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about what about you, Shelby? Yeah, so I actually am a person with a disability and um before I found out about mine, I grew up with a cousin that was wheelchair bound. Um he suffered from uh, we think Becker's um, muscular dystrophy, 
And unfortunately, I, from a young age, was very aware of how uncomfortable that made me feel. And so it was a bit of a shock when I was 16 and found out, like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm going to be similar in a sense. Um, yeah, I found out that I had limb girdle muscular dystrophy when I was 16 years old. So this is very much a part of my daily reality yeah. and navigating um, this interesting part of my life where I have physical limitation, but from just like a brief look at me, you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell. And so then you go on a walk with someone and they're like, well, something's obviously off. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's lots of navigating yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, so for me, the kind of um, deep dive that I've been taking with the theology of disability started with a, a class that I took um, a few summers ago on theological anthropology in which we uh, focused on three people groups uh, and we, we focused on um, or, or three issues within a human person and that was race, uh, sexuality and gender and then uh, disability. Mm -hmm. And by God's providence, I guess maybe you could say I got, uh, the class was divided into three groups and I got placed as the leader for uh, the group on reading for persons with disability. And uh, frankly, um, whenever I got the syllabus, I was like, oh, I don't want to be placed in that group. I haven't done any reading on that. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't even know where I would begin. And so that's why I say I really do think it was probably God's providence that I got placed as the yeah. leader for that. <laughs> um, and so uh, from there, I, as I just started reading and hearing stories and, and thinking through this, I realized that I had such... Uh, a warped view and understanding of uh, persons with disability and what the Bible really does have to say about it. And suddenly all these stories from being a youth leader and having uh, some kids in the youth who were uh, blind and, and my uncomfortability with that started coming to the surface and it became this thing that I had to wrestle with God about of like why I felt so uncomfortable and what I could do to show some of God's love and justice and mercy um, to this people group that are yeah. so marginalized. Yeah. yeah. So uh, shall we start with a story? Like I, I can I can think of the made-up stereotypical one. Although I say it's made up, it's one I've heard from a bunch of people. So this, this is like the stereotype. The person who's in a wheelchair and comes to church and it's like, if one more person walks up to me and instead of saying, hi, what's your name, says, can I can pray I for you to be healed? Mm -hmm. as oh, like, I've gotten that so many times. <laughs> so many times. Like, what other stories have we got? Or the just, question of, like, do you believe with no doubt that you can be healed? Here you go. Here are the and issues that's, coming. Oh, my gosh. I'm just, like... It makes you second yeah. guess everything of like, yeah. what does that even mean? And now you're connecting my disability yeah. with my lack of faith and... Or oh, sin, yeah, or sin. Like, what, do you like? Do you remember the story when they they brought the guy to Jesus yeah. and were like, "Hey, did Whose he sin or his parents? Yeah. Like, who's yeah. at fault here?" Yeah. And Jesus was like, "No." Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but even though Jesus was like, "Dudes, that's not a thing. Like, that's not the way to approach this." Mm -hmm. Still, we still experience. It's like, oh, Shelby, I want to pray for you to be healed. Yeah. So, like, let's figure out what you need to confess. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Have you got any other ones? Yeah, so uh, my youth group uh, in California, when I lived in California, we um, had uh, a young man who was blind. And it was, you know, because youth leaders, we kind of took turns to lead him to the bathroom and lead him through the church and different things at different times. It was a maze of a building. And um, it, 
because everyone had this like sense of responsibility, I think then everyone was like, well, why are we just leading him through the building? Why aren't we just like getting his eyesight back? And so then it became this big thing that every single Wednesday we were like, and let's, let's pray for Anthony today. And then uh, eventually I think he must've, he was very kind about it, but I think he got a little fed up with it. And mm-hmm. he, in telling his testimony said, and I do believe I'll see one day. I just don't know if it's going to be on this side of Jesus is coming. (laughs) And I, there are crickets and I don't Mm -hmm. think anybody in the youth felt comfortable with that and felt like it was a lack of faith on his part that he was going to have to wait for Jesus to come back and make all things new for him to be made new. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was one of those people who were like, Oh, come on. Like you, you can believe for more than that. Mm -hmm. And, um, eventually we didn't see him come to the youth group anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize until very recently why that might be the case. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really potent example of how, um, identity and disability can join up Mm -hmm. in a healthy way or an unhealthy way. And I think people are familiar with this, like anyone who's encountered like major grief and then has had everyone for the next six months, treat them as if the only thing that's true about them is the fact that they suffered loss or something like people are aware of this, like, like that's not the whole of that. That's not all of me. That's don't define me me. by this one thing. Right. So people are familiar with this, but Mm -hmm. There's that. There's this interesting cultural thing where because we feel like someone's disability is the elephant in the room, you know, like if I was walking with you for the first time, mm-hmm. Shelby, and I was like, "Oh, you're walking funny," mm-hmm. like I'd probably either flip to like the classic cultural response when we're awkward is I'll ignore it, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and probably then end up doing something like that would be dishonoring or disrespectful or inconsiderate, <laughs> sure. right. Or, um, like, I don't know, like, overcompensate. Like, make a big deal of it. Yeah. You know, like, make it what the only thing we should talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's just this is some of those cultural taboos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was only, I don't know what it was like in America, but my dad was interesting. He was like, yeah, like, when I became blind, so he was blind at six. Mm. He was like, yeah, like, in that, like, generation what that meant was now you're going to be packed off to a specialist boarding school yeah. for the rest of your life because you i can't i can't understand how to engage with you as someone who can contribute mm-hmm. or you don't fit with or be NR. involved yeah. in anything mm-hmm. and so like either your problem needs to go away or you need to go away and that sounds horrible mm-hmm. um but i'm not sure I think we've we've moved on in terms of being like, oh, well, we can't just do that. But the attitudes that we need to do the healthy thing, they haven't moved on that much more. No. We still have all the awkwardness, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Like, you know, why... I, this is like a million-dollar question. I don't even know the answer. <laughs> like, why is that? Have you guys got any ideas about why it is that this is such a hard thing for us to have a healthy view of? I think so much of it is because we're driven by what we can see. Mm-hmm. And when something that we see doesn't line up with how we know how to navigate life, we don't have a category to put that into. Yeah, And we often get really uncomfortable or we overthink, like, how is this person going to respond if I start to be curious about it and start to be like to wonder about how I could bring them into my life or 
world. Mm -hmm. And so therefore we do nothing. And then that person just is expected to bear the weight of having to navigate that whole dialogue and way of life. And that's like a total justice issue. Yeah, When someone's got something that's hard and some of that hardship could be, and this is a really interesting like rabbit trail for (laughs) 10 minutes maybe, like the hardship could be like a real, like, man, God didn't design this. This is broken and it's hard. Um, I think there's some things we point at as disability where God's like, no, that's just part of diversity. Like, Mm -hmm. you guys just don't know what to do with it. Um, But some of the hardship could, it it could come also just from our, like, culture and Mm -hmm. um, to just leave someone out in the cold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so dispassionate yeah like it's the opposite of what jesus would do mm-hmm. he was always like drawing the outcast close to himself yeah and so yeah mm-hmm. it just it's such unkingdom like behavior it mm-hmm. kind of when you when you sort of pause and think about it it surprises you like whoa mm-hmm. how can christians be that way like yeah. of all people whoa mm-hmm. that's really ugly yeah i think yeah. the hardest part too sometimes is then that person who had the disability is put in the position to caretake for the emotion that you're experiencing because mm-hmm. you're the one that's uncomfortable yeah. but then like we also have to come up with the creative ways to integrate into normal mm-hmm. everyday life yeah. um yeah. I just think that there's so it's much your more disability, room. So, it's all so your you issue. need to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. I think that unfortunately that's a lot yeah. of the attitude. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting, like, man, everywhere in the world, but particularly in America, we're really good at constructing like the fabric of culture to make life comfortable and easy. Mm-hmm. Like we aim at that. And so we, we do it in for the majority, which is why a lot of culture is built around being like a white middle-class man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're already setting ourselves up to maybe create more problems than we actually need to mm-hmm. um, for people. And, it, and it's it, funny, again, like that kind of the tabooness mm-hmm. of like, oh, I'm emotionally like, like I think about our kids, mm-hmm. like our kids have always asked such great questions. You know, like mm-hmm. I can remember once Oliver as a toddler, like in an old people's home, walking up to them and he's like, obviously he's like, around 90 year old people's made him think <laughs> about death and he's like you're gonna die before me just like starts so interviewing fair. people about when they're gonna die oh my gosh like, but all of those questions about like people's like people with physical disability like about my dad uh things like that but for them they were like happy to talk about it mm-hmm. and it and it bred like space to process and be healthy and learn how to empathize and understand someone else Mm -hmm. which i think is another part of the where it comes because we feel awkward we feel like you must feel awkward therefore i shouldn't engage you over this Mm -hmm. um yeah and and sometimes awkward is a word um sometimes in christian circles it's like oh i bet you feel ashamed Mm -hmm. and so i don't want to make you feel ashamed so i'm not going to talk about it there's all there's a whole nest of nest of whole unspoken language yeah but it's this because it's taboo and mm-hmm. we avoid it. Whenever we're avoiding stuff, it's like, I don't know, it, like our, like talk about sex and sexuality, mm-hmm. like all of these areas that are taboos and how it's bred mm-hmm. in health when we don't engage over something. And then uh, like our, our original question of like, why is this important for everyone? You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I think... Uh, 
you, you mentioned diversity a, a little bit earlier and how just like some of the things that we call disability are perhaps really just what God sees is like, no, this is just part of human diversity. Mm-hmm. And I think a large part of it is that we really don't see the importance in general of subjecting ourselves maybe as the way we view it to diversity. And so we build this, uh, the the term that often comes up in the literature is this cult of normalcy. Yeah. And we, we get this idea of what normal is. And so then anything that strays from that is Mm -hmm. strange and awkward and not worth dealing with because we may be, feel we may feel dumb by the end of it because we'll say something we'll you know kind of put our foot in our mouths mm-hmm. uh, over this and and nobody wants to put themselves in that uncomfortable situation of of being the ignorant one in a conversation or in the yeah. room and so so we just don't approach it and we do that with all sorts of areas of diversity but what we what we fail to realize is that what is the you know diverse sort of aspect or the weird aspect for us is that person's normal? Yeah. yeah. And what they're trying to do is actually do better than we do and actually step into some diversity by talking to us yeah. able-bodied yeah. folk or yeah. uh, or whatever. And we're actually robbing them of that experience yeah. by saying that, you know, we shouldn't step out of this yeah. normalcy for yeah. us. And um, yeah, so then it just creates this whole social kind mm-hmm. of cultural idea of normal and yeah and And i think it like especially look yeah like you look at the way things are marketed i think it goes beyond just what's normal and it's what's aspired to Mm. so we tend to all think like when i get to heaven i'll be like healthy vibrant (laughs) mid-20s like not overweight not tired you know just like i'll be in my prime Yeah. yeah but what counts as being in your prime is so subjective, mm-hmm. so culturally prescribed. Like, who's to say that actually the prime is not like being 50 years old, having to slow down a little bit, you know, um, just like, but it comes with some other stuff. And what it comes with and or doesn't is, is down to what we value. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting in this conversation how much of what we value has just, we've got it from our heritage by sure. osmosis, you know, like, and there's some things we've, we're getting over or I've got, like we would never like say hi to some guy who's black at church and be like, Oh, so like, do you hope like, you know, when you get to heaven, you'll be white. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, right. We wouldn't say that. <laughs> but if someone's not neurotypical and they have autism, we would totally approach them as if, Oh, so you hope when you get to heaven, like autism will just be completely gone. Hmm. I was like, Oh, yeah. well, What's the difference between those two really? And maybe there is, but it's not obvious to me that, you know, there's a, a, a clear answer to that. And and I think maybe that is exacerbated by the fact that Jesus went around healing people. Yes. Yeah. So that so this is a layer that complicates that, right? But but it is like where you look at society and look at what we're learning about people. I mean, autism's a great example, like people who are are or are not neurotypical and we're just understanding how actually neurotypical it's not really a thing mm-hmm. mm. like there being like one thing that's normal and then everyone else is wrong it's like no that's just the bucket is so big and wide mm-hmm. and i mean i i went to like a i don't know it'd be like equivalent of like an ivy league institution all these like high achieving 
And there were like people with autism left, right and center. Sure. We were just like awesomely gifted at all this stuff. And then it came with all these other things to navigate. And it was yeah. Yeah, really interesting. Uh, my, my favorite story on the, the autism was a, a, there was a researcher working with some children and they would not talk. They wouldn't use language, mm. but they would communicate with body language and facial expressions, you know, things like that. And they, they would write down numbers on bits of paper and give them to each other, mm. these two kids. And he was trying to figure out, like, what's going on. Um, and they were like, I, I think it was like seven, eight years old, something like that. And he figured out that they would, they would only write down prime numbers. Hmm. And so he got like a, a tape, like a program that generated prime numbers and started like writing down prime numbers. And they would, oh, like, oh, like they would accept the bit of paper and write down a prime number back and give it back to him. And he would check, oh, yeah, it's a prime number, look it up. Um, before the afternoon was out, they were writing down prime numbers that were so long that his program couldn't process them and he couldn't catch up. That's crazy. They were out computing his ability to produce prime numbers. Wow. And you just think about the staggering, like what on earth would it be like to look at numeracy and not have to figure it out, but just see it mm -hmm. to intuitively be able to tell, which is this ability these kids had. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and then be like, oh, that's not neuro neurotypical. That's something God needs to heal. <laughs> I, just, I just find stories like that so prov provocative. Um, but then somehow I need to join up my opening my hands to like, ooh, maybe heaven and like God's best for humanity could contain elements like that. And uh, and maybe part of what's hard about that is the fact that we just don't understand how to include people yeah. like that. That's yeah. our deal. With the fact that, especially when it comes to physical disability, which is what you're wrestling with, Shelby, so this would be really interesting to get your take on, is like, yeah, like, uh, deaf, blind, lame, like all of these things, there was this like pattern of God healing. Mm -hmm. And so then it's really easy to have a surface reading of those stories and enact and then assume like, oh, that's the deal. Like physical disability is not supposed to be a thing. Mm -hmm. and, and actually this is like a big theological conversation going on at the moment. People are researching and trying to think through and actually it's one of those times when as cultures pushing into these questions it's causing the church to be like oh yeah hang on that's a good question what do we think about that yeah. so yeah. so there you go i can't even <laughs> remember what the point of that was yeah, i'll throw jesus that healing. out there yeah. like jesus healing like yeah. what, are we, this is what expectations should we have yeah i feel like i've yeah had to really wrestle with that in different seasons of my journey. Um, so in one season, I didn't want anyone to talk to me about healing because I was so sensitive to the fact that it was always accompanied with my lack of faith. Mm. Um, and so that was so hard for me. To and is that something you got from scripture or was that kind of spoken uh, over you? It was spoken or? over me. Yeah. yeah. It was just always the question that accompanied anyone's desire to pray yeah. for me. It was always this probing of like, well, is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Is yeah. there any X, Y, or Z? Yeah. And so it, it just... So can I ask, like, was that... Was that uh, do you feel like people were being judgmental or was this just like well-meaning intent to help? Or I think that they were well-meaning, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think anyone was intentionally trying to, like, belittle me mm -hmm. or anything like that. But... To a degree, you can't really escape 
the result of the question that they're asking yeah. in partnership with what they're wanting to do for you in that moment. Um, so, yeah. And in part, the question is stupid. Yeah. Like, have you got any sin? <laughs> well, of course. Of course. Tell being. me about yours. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, it's always been something I've wrestled with. I feel like I'm right now at the healthiest understanding that I can come to with mm-hmm. is that Jesus heals, period. He does. That's what he does. And a huge manifestation of him bringing the kingdom to earth, the reality of heaven to earth was through healing. And so my disposition towards it now is like, I want to always believe in faith that that can happen Mm -hmm. in my life, period. Um, But also at the same time that my ability to contribute to the kingdom moving forward is not contingent on whether or not I'm healed in the here and now, period. So... Um, I think in general, God's heart for his people is full healing and restoration. But because we live in that tension of the now and the not yet, um, we're just not guaranteed to experience that in fullness. In fact, like we just won't in, in absolute fullness until he returns. And so I feel like that is a bit where I'm at. Like I never want to grow complacent and like, uh, yeah, it's just not going to happen for me. Like, I always want to have the hope mm-hmm. and the belief that, like, no, it actually could. And I'm never going to stop asking and praying for that. But at the same time, like, I'm not just sitting around waiting for a miracle to live my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, Paul mm-hmm. with his physical yeah, ailment. Like, sure. they call it the, th- the thorn in the flesh. Yeah. And, like, he persevered. He's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm going to keep praying. Yeah. But then actually, God was like, dude, uh, just to let you know, I'm not, not going to hear you. <laughs> yeah. and, then he, and then he says, then he stopped. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that as a good pattern. Yeah. For like, well, keep asking, mm-hmm. but you can also ask God and he might tell you no. what the purpose of it yeah, is or something exactly. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I, something for me that's been um, poignant in thinking through that is, is our conflation oftentimes in society of healing versus cure. Hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think sometimes God heals in ways that are very different mm-hmm. um, than, than the way we think about healing. So healing could come to the soul. <laughs> healing can come to the way a, a person with disability comes to think about their disability, which yeah. I think is what happened for Paul. Paul has this this physical ailment that he sees as this thorn that slows him down and he's, he's constantly praying for it. And I, there's a sense to which I get that if if we were to ask Paul, were you ever healed of that? He would say, yeah, to some degree, I was. I, I God came to speak to it in a way that helped me see what God was doing through it. And that was a healing of my mind yeah. towards this disability. And definitely, that's mm. not pleasing to us who want to see the physical ailment go away and see yeah. them come to looking like what we expect them yeah. to. Yeah. And I think there's two categories of things like that as well, aren't there? There are some things where we want it to go away. And this could be a physical disability or this could just be a, like any circumstance mm-hmm. we could have this battle with. Uh, and sometimes um, God has to show us like, oh no, actually, because your expectations are wrong, you're calling that bad, but actually I call it good. Yeah, you know? totally. But then there's this other like slice of life which is yeah it's bad but god's decided like oh i'm gonna use that i'm gonna redeem it not by healing it Mm -hmm. 
but by using it for something because, yeah. oh, well, here it is. Well, okay, let's turn it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And sometimes turning things beautiful is making them go away, but sometimes it's redeeming their purpose. Mm-hmm. And we live in this messiness of like the now and not yet mm-hmm. where we've got all the hope but like, and things are started, but we don't have the fulfillment of right. everything. Yeah. And like how much more in that season would we expect to see God like as he encounters brokenness saying, I'm going to do something with this. Mm -hmm. Mm. And something that I always come back to is just the reality that like, I really only have one opportunity to suffer with Christ. Like in heaven, I don't get that. Like Mm. I will live in full, like beautiful, whole relationship with him in every form. And so my time on earth is like this one blip of my lifespan that I get to know the gift of suffering and the opportunity that it can be once he begins to heal maybe my mindset towards it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, gosh, in in my marriage, in my relationships, it's often like this this gift. It, it, It makes me grateful for the things I do get to have in a way that I don't think that some able-bodied people are grateful for because it's just a part of life, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so I think that there's enormous gift to be received in some form of disability as well. And Matt, the amount of people with disability who I've heard, it's not that they're like, oh, I wouldn't trade it for anything kind of thing. Sure. But there's like, there's something that everyone doesn't have that they do Mm -hmm. because of their story, because of the journey they've taken, which is hugely valuable. Yeah. Which is part of what's so sad about, I don't know, it's kind of like the broader diversity question of having a church that's just built around that kind of the cult of the majority. Mm. Um, But why wouldn't we want all of those extra beautiful special intriguing things to be like picked at and brought out and used and utilized and all those gifts and the lessons that have been learned yeah yeah. we Um, do ourselves a massive disservice to unintentionally or intentionally silence that voice yeah Yeah. Yeah. okay well that's probably long enough so there's (laughs) there's loads of interesting questions raised and not entirely answered so Ryan, you'll just you'll answer them all in the class, right? I will seek to <laughs> answer some and just probably mostly provoke more questions. Yeah, more. But get us thinking, which yeah. is good. And then Shelby, hope I'd put you on the spot. I think you're gonna try and join yeah. a little bit as well, which would be really sure. cool. So uh, I don't think we said this at the beginning. When is it? I believe it's um, March eleventh, I believe, is the first uh Class. We're all frowning at each other, but I have yeah. a good feeling about that. Yeah, March but if 11th. if you're not sure, you'll then, have to register anyway, so go on the website. Yes, yeah, you'll get the dates on the website. I do believe March 11th is yeah. the, the first one, and then it would be just the following week yeah, after that. The following week. And so, yeah, go online and, uh, and come along. It should be a really, really interesting conversation. Yeah, we'll see yeah. you there. We'll see you.